Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. This is Joseph, a.k.a. Harmonica Player. And I'd like to tell you about an awesome service that I use to get my podcast done. Did you know that there's a service out there called Zencaster, which is a one-stop shop for all, for all podcasts? You can do editing, production, and audio and video. It's a one-stop shop place. If you use a professional account, like a Zencaster Pro and higher, you can have your video imported to every video player that there is possible. That only works on professional accounts, though. You have unlimited uploading, unlimited hosting, and you can monetize your podcast and earn money. Yeah. So if you want to take advantage of this, go to zencaster.com slash pricing and use my code harmonica player podcast and get three months off your Zencaster professional we are anxious to hear your story take care and happy podcasting here's one hi there folks this is joseph and this time i'm going to tell you about a new device that i just became aware of which is really cool it's called the blend jet 2 portable blender now you see, I love smoothies, but I don't love smoothie bar prices, as you can tell. With my Blendjet 2 Portable Blender, I can make smoothie bar quality beverages for about half the price, you see. Blendjet 2, Blendjet 2 is portable so that you can make smoothies anywhere. At work, or you could... Uh, a protein shake at the gym, or a margarita on the, or a margarita on the beach. So yeah, anywhere you can think of. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but power enough, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients as well, and, and frozen fruit with ease, which is quite impressive, I think. Blendjet too is whisper quiet, so you can make smoothies without waking up the whole house. And it lasts for 15-plus blends and recharges with USB-C power, which is very impressive. And best of all, it has a cleaning feature. That's right, it cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and voila, you're good to go. With over 30-plus colors and patterns to choose from, there's just about any color to, to blending with your style. What are you waiting for, folks? Go to blendjet.com and grab yours today. That's B-L-E-N-D-J-E-T.com and grab yours today. And be sure to use Harmonica 12 as a promo code to get 12% off and and free two-day shipping. That's right. Who can resist free shipping? No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of the Blendjet 2. They guarantee you love it or your money back. So what are you waiting for, folks? Shop today and get yours today. That is all. Thank you for listening. Mike on. And now, folks, on today's presentation of Mike off.
Sabbath School and Church Part 2. Here we go. This was recorded February 25th, 2022. It's now time for our tithe and offerings. If you turn in your bulletin, our offering today is for the MAP, Michigan Advanced Partners. It's a little um, paragraph here I'm going to read. It says, recently the Ann Arbor Church needed to make repairs and update Updates to their three campus buildings. Each project required significant investment for the church, which was greater than the members could afford on their own. So they decided to fundraise and also ask for MAP funds. Many people responded to the call for support, even those who are not members of the church. However, the church still needed approximately 25% more to complete all the repairs and updates. The monies from MAP were able to fund this amount. Now all three buildings are ready to continue advancing the gospel in Ann Arbor. This was made possible because of those who give faithfully to MAP. Your gift today will help other churches, like Ann Arbor, to further God's work in their communities. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for all the blessings you give us. Blessings of health, blessings of families, blessings of homes and cars and blessings of wealth as well. And Father, as we return our tithe and we give our offerings, I pray, Father, that you would bless them, Lord, that they would further your work, further your kingdom, and may they hasten your coming. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
All right, young people, you probably know this already, but it's time to come forward and grab a basket and collect the lamb's offering. And today's lamb's offering will be for the Pathfinder World Camporee. And after that, Rebecca White will be giving us the children's story. Okay, good job collecting the offering today, guys. Good morning, boys and girls. I have a story for you today about when I was a teenager and I was getting ready to go to driver's education and learn how to drive a car. Now, I know that seems a long ways off for you guys, but in 10 years, you'll all be driving cars, which is kind of a scary thought, um, especially as a parent. But... <laughs> So I was getting ready to go to driver's education, and my mom had signed me up for the June session, and so school had gotten out for me, and I was ready to go to my driver's school. And it might seem like it's an easy thing to just sit back and drive a car because your parents drive you everywhere every day, and you just drive, right? But there's a lot involved. I had to do three different parts of my driver's school every day. Sometimes we had to listen to the teacher, and he would teach us things, and we had a book. We had to fill out our answers just like in school. And to fill out your answers and take little quizzes. And sometimes we would get on the road with our teacher in a car. And we'd have a couple of friends that would be driving down the road. And our teacher would make us do things like go on the crazy fast expressway. 
Or maybe we'd have to go down little tiny turny roads or go through drive-through windows in restaurants. Oh, that was a little scary. But I did all right. And then there was another section called the range section. And they had the whole parking lot at the school set up with cones and blockers. And you had to practice all these different parking things. Now, parking was kind of tough for me. And I was trying, but sometimes I'd bump a cone or I'd knock something over or I'd get my car all crookedy and I'm supposed to be parked like this, but I might be like this. And it was just kind of hard. Well, I worked hard and every day I went, I got up early, went to my driver's school because that's what I needed to do so I could learn to drive. And the end of the month came and it was time to take my tests. So I went and I took my, my written test and that was fine because I'd been studying and I knew all the answers. I wrote them down. I, I aced that. I did well. And then I did my on-the-road test. I was driving around with my teacher and I did fine. I did okay. And I did my parking test on the range. Oh, I didn't do very well. And you know what my teacher said? He said, I can't give you your driver's permit. You failed that part. You're going to have to come back in July and try again. Oh, no. I was so sad. I went home and I cried and I cried because I'd never really failed at things because I'd always done my best. And I just, I was really sad, really bummed. But, you know, my mom hugged me. And, you know, I remembered a couple Bible texts to help me. And I'm going to share those with you really quick. My Bible text that I remembered. Um, one of my Bible texts was Philippians 4.13. I think you guys might know this one. It says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, do you think all things includes parking a car in all kinds of crazy positions? It does. But I also remembered a Bible text, another one. Oops, I dropped my bookmark here. Another Bible text, which is in Ecclesiastes 9, verse 10, it says, I'll get it again. Whatever your hand finds to do, do with all your might. Hmm. So I got to think, and I said, well, Jesus is going to help me, but I got to try. I got to practice because I got I to gotta figure this parking thing out. So my dad, he took me out sometimes between the June session and the July session, and we went and we practiced parking on the roads in the town where we were. And it was kind of embarrassing because he took me on the streets and there were people walking by and watching me. But I tried and I figured out my parallel park and I got it just right. And then the first day of my new session came, my July session. And I was, I was determined I was going to pass it this time. And I got there out in the range and I got in my car and my teacher was watching me. And you know what he said after that first day? He said, you pass you don't need to come back anymore. You did an excellent job. You can go get your driver's license. Oh, that made me so happy because I passed. But you know, it was God who helped me. It wasn't just me. It was God. And I want to, to bring this back to you guys. Now, you guys aren't driving cars yet, and you won't be for a little bit. But you have lots of other tasks you need to do during the day. Sometimes it might be an easy task, like mom says, go clean your room. Or mom says, maybe help me unload the dishwasher. Or take out the garbage. And some of those things might seem easy, but they might seem kind of hard, and you feel like maybe you just want to just kind of slop through. And so when it's time to clean your room, you just throw stuff in your drawers and hide it all under your bed and close the door and say, I'm done. But is that working with all your might? Mm -mm, that's not. We need to do everything with all our might, right? And sometimes we have hard things, really big hard things, like hard tests at school. 
or maybe we have new sports we're learning, or we have music comp um, recitals or concerts that we need to do, and it seems hard, but God can help us do that too, doesn't he? God can help us. So remember, you can do all things through Christ, but he's going to help you learn to work and do it right, okay? We're going to have a little prayer, and we'll go back to our seats. Dear Jesus, we thank you for this Sabbath day. We thank you that you can help us do all things, and we pray that you will help us to trust in that and help us to do our best in all the things that we have to do in our lives. Help us to learn to do it for you. And give us a good Sabbath day, we pray in your name. Amen. Go back to your seats. morning. Happy Sabbath. Our scripture reading this morning is found in 1 Kings chapter 17 verses 1 to 4. 1 Kings chapter 17 verses 1 to 4. I'll be reading out of the King James Version. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, be whom before whom I stand, there shall not be dew or rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee. Amen. I would invite you at this time to look at the back page of our bulletin. There's prayer requests there. And uh, the highlighted one there is the bold print is a new, um, a new request. It's for Mark Linke for surgery, which is scheduled March 14th. So let's uh, remember those requests uh, as you pray in your devotions this week. If you can, um, if you're able to, please kneel with me as we have our prayer this morning. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful thank you so much for your love for us and for Jesus. We thank you for being our awesome provider, Lord. We thank you for many blessings that you bestow upon us. And we ask that you would be with our worship this morning. Please help it to be acceptable to, in your sight. Please be with those names listed in our prayer request and our bulletin. And uh, be with each situation, Lord, and according to your will. For only you know the end from the beginning. 
We pray that you would also be with our brother Andrew this morning as he brings us your word. Please uh, speak through him, anoint our ears so that we can hear, and not just to hear, Lord, but to do. And help us to be a blessing to those around us. Help us to minister to them and fit us for heaven and take us home with you when you come. Is our prayer in Jesus' loving name. Amen. Thanks, Hawk. Lauren, thank you so much. Wasn't that wonderful? Yeah. Wisdom from the children in song. The wise man builds his house on the? Yes. And the foolish man builds his house where? On the sand. What is your house built on? The rock, yeah. Married people, what's your marriage built on? Mm. It's interesting. Um, the story says that the, the rains came down. Didn't say if, right? They come to test every structure. The good news is if you've built your house on the rock, it will stand. But if you've taken the shortcuts, 
to build on man-made things, it can't stand. And so I, I don't want to kind of get off tangent here, but um, it's on my heart that, you know, lately it just seems like I'm inundated with uh, good friends and family members who have built their relationships on something else. And when trial and difficulty come, you can see the framework of the relationship begin to tremble and begin to collapse. And so I, I'm, I'm very grateful for the song to remind, you know, the little children, through the songs, they, they remind you to go back and investigate what is my life built on? Be- the rock. Everybody say the rock. The rock. The rock. I'm, happy. I'm happy to be here today. I don't know about you. You'd be proud of me. I, I got up this morning. I wasn't, I wasn't frantic. I wasn't uh, irritated. You know, I just you know, took my time. Some people didn't want to get in the car. Right? And I just, you know, you'd be proud. <laughs> you know, the, the spirit of God is working in me. Yeah, you know, because you know, like Sabbath morning is challenging. Amen. Yeah, sometimes that, that's when everything that can goes wrong, well, does go wrong. But would you be so proud of me? I just got in the car, took my time. Hey, what's wrong? You know, you put them in the car, see everything. And we got to cheerful. <laughs> cheerful, <laughs> amen. It's good to come to church cheerful. Of all people on earth, Seventh-day, well, Christian Seventh-day Adventists should be the most cheerful. But sometimes you go to church and you see sad faces. But I'm looking out and I see a lot of happy faces here. Uh, we're, we're going home soon. And not to your house. We're talking about heaven. Yeah. Well, we're going to go home soon. I'm not going to take, we're going to take long. I've got three points and we're going to get through it. Um, I've titled today's message. <laughs> I've titled, no, no, no. See, you're a troublemaker. Because I can preach for an hour and a half. Easy. I can, t- I can talk about the scriptures all day long. As a matter of fact, I, I, in preparation for my sermons, I, I preach the sermon out loud. And so, you know, my kids have learned I'm not going crazy. I'm just going through it. I'm, the word of God is so wonderful. And I'm glad to be a, I, and I reiterate, a Christian Seventh-day Adventist. I'm not a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. Christian comes before the Seventh-day stuff. You're a Christian first. And it's important to, you know, it's, it's not just semantics. It's important to understand that. That, that we are followers of Christ. We're not followers of the Seventh-day Adventist church. Huh? The Seventh-day Adventist church was, is not, was never meant to be a denomination. By the way, I found out that there are over 33,000 Christian denominations in the United States. 33,000. That's a lot. So, so don't think that, you know... I, I, I'm going to get up and I'm going to research and I'm going to test them all out and I'm going to find my way into this church. The reason why you're here is because God handpicked you. He handpicked you. That means you're here for a reason. A very specific reason. You're not a member of a denomination. You're a member of a movement. Progressive. Kind of got me thinking. Pastor's sermon last week got me thinking. We talked about the great disappointment. And, the, you know, the origins of our church and, and, and how the, the, the founders of the, of the church, they had sold all their stuff. In 1844, they're standing waiting for Jesus to come back. By the way, do you know that there were still slaves? You're not, gonna, you're not going up to heaven without the slaves. Huh? Um, there, there are a lot of people who had not heard the message and... I, there's a little pesky passage of scripture which says that no man knows the day nor the hour of his coming. It's interesting, in all that study, they left out that part. 
Huh? And so it got me thinking about this church that, we're, that we have been handpicked to be a part of. And you children here, you've been handpicked by your parents to come to church whether you like it or not. But one day you'll have a choice, little kids, to go your way, own way or not. And our job as parents is to try to model Christ. Amen? It's to, it's to model Christ. Patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control on Sabbath morning. You can just get it out of your system. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, the first encounter. Yeah, amen. It's okay, it's okay. The first encounter, listen, the first encounter that kids have with God is through the parents at home. It breaks my heart because you go into some homes and you're like God, Christian homes, and God isn't there. But we have a God who is patient with us. He doesn't give up on us. <laughs> As quickly as we give up on ourselves and other people, God, it's amazing that no matter how far you run from God, he, he, he finds you and he brings you back to himself. And so today I want to talk about Elijah uh, and I've titled today's sermon, The Raven, The Widow, and The Rain. And I just have the three basic lessons that I think these particular inflection points in the story bring out. But I, I'd, I'd like you to pray for me. I know many of you have been praying for me. And ultimately, when I, when I stand up to, to share, I just want to encourage you. Like the week has been uh, stressful enough. I want you to leave invigorated, right? I want you to leave more excited to follow Christ than when you came in. I don't want to pile, you know, oh my God. You know. No, I want you to leave being, being excited about being a Christian. Oh, we're about to leave this place and then come back <laughs> to an earth made new. Let's pray, everyone. Father in heaven, we're so excited to be here. We know you're here already. So please, Holy Spirit, can't see you. Sometimes we can't even discern your voice, how you move, what you do. But we give you permission to just tinker and, and uh, reorganize our thought process. Give us new eyes, perspective, so we can begin to see our lives and the world and ministry from the perspective of Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah. The raven, the widow, and the rain. Um, just very, very quickly. I think this message is important for several reasons. Um, the first being that before Jesus appears, before Jesus appears as a matter of principle and prophecy, we'll, we'll talk about it very briefly, but before Jesus appears, manifests himself, he always sends Elijah first. Uh, go with me very quickly to Malachi chapter 4, if you'd like. I'll read it in your hearing, however, and I'm, I'll be reading from the New King, New King James Version of the Bible. Uh, Malachi chapter 4. I'll, I'll read it. If, you've, if, you, if you're there, you can say, I found it. All right. Listen, I, uh, let me start at verse 1, actually. Just kind of setting a little, little backdrop before we just bring out some highlights in today's message. Uh, this passage that we're about to read, just to let you know, it's, it's about the second coming of Christ. Listen to what God says through Malachi. He says, for behold. Here, 
surprise, something you didn't expect. For behold, the day is coming. Burning like what, everyone? An oven. What's going to be burning like an oven? Your cars and your clothing and your stuff. Amen. <laughs> yeah, isn't that right? Everything here on earth is going to burn, the Bible says, with fervent heat. Your mortgage. Come on, come, come on, everyone. Your student loans. Hey, come, hey. Sickness, death. It's all, you know, the economy, the, the, all that stuff is, is going to be wiped out. That's good news. Good news. The day, the, it, it's coming. It's coming. Burning like a furnace. And all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will be stubbles. That means that, that the arrogant, the wicked, they don't get away with murder. Solomon actually said in Proverbs that the wicked actually do wicked and they go down to their graves with, you know, cash in the bank. But they don't get away scot-free. Huh? Yes, the day is coming. All the, all the arrogant, all the conceited, all those who put their trust in themselves and in their cash, all that's going to be wiped away. And the day which is coming shall burn them up. All the things that harass you and annoy you, it's, God is going to wipe it all away. This life is just the beginning of a life that has no end. That means if you never get to go to, to Hawaii or Maui or any of these places, God has something better for you. Huh? So don't go into debt for those vacations. Just be saved. <laughs> Amen. Some of you are stretching yourselves thin and, and accumulating gray hairs because you want to achieve great heights. Don't worry about that. God has got you covered. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The day is coming, and it shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that will leave them neither root nor branch. God is saying that, that evil... Right, what Satan has planted, that he's going to dig up the very root. You will never, ever, forever be harassed by temptation, ever. Oh, man. That means when you go to eat, you won't keep eating and eating and eating. You'll have self-control. There'll be no, there'll be no uh, invisible voice, no voice speaking to you, tempting you to do wrong. All the things you want to do, the good things, you'll do them without interruption. Wow. Verse 2, but to you who fear my name, to you who have respect for me, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. Does God have healing in his wings? Is he still able to heal cancer, by the way? Yeah, come on now. Cancer is not a big deal for God. Sometimes, however, just he allows sickness to get our attention and the attention of family members and friends. Sometimes when sickness comes, you pray more. And your prayers are more authentic and desperate. But to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. And you shall go out and grow like stall fed, grow fat. Not, not you know, fat in terms of you know, faith, not, not wide. You shall go fat like like stall-fed calves, you shall trample the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb, that's Mount Sinai, 
for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Behold, listen, behold, I will send you Elijah, who everyone? The prophet before the coming of the great, wonderful, and dreadful, dreadful to those who, who don't love God, day of the Lord. And he will turn, Elijah will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. In other words, that when before God reveals himself, he sends Elijah the prophet to bring restoration at home. You see, the church is not just this um, ambiguous, generic thing. The church, we're, we're, it's just people gathered together who believe in, in God and who follow him. So the health of the church is directly linked to the health of, of your home. What happens in the home? Are you with me, everyone? So if there's no love and kindness at home, if there's no patience and mercy at home, there can't be in the church. So sometimes we say, you know, I have the church this, the church that. Actually, we're saying the family is this, the family is that. And so the first thing that we want to understand with God is that God always deals with his home, his, his house first. He always sends the message to, to his people first. In other words, God is saying, before you start talking about all the things that are happening, in the, look at your home. What's the atmosphere at home? Is there forgiveness and mercy at home? Now, the Jews reading this text, they believed that Malachi was literally talking about Elijah. Like God would send, Eli would raise Elijah back, or actually we know Elijah went up into heaven, that God would actually send Elijah literally back down. Now, go with me to Matthew 17. Matthew chapter 17. Matthew 17 and verse 10. Matthew 17, verse 10, and we understand this, this particular passage has to do with Jesus being transformed on the mount. You remember that story? How many of you have read this story? You know about when, when Jesus took Peter, James, and John up the mountain and he was trans transfigured, transformed. In other words, that Jesus appeared in his glory, the glory that he had with the Father, in immense, intense light. And, this is, I want to <laughs> digress, but Peter, James, and John fell asleep when they should have been awake. <laughs> and they, they caught part of the conversation because there's Jesus on the top of the mount and God sends two human beings. Who does he send to talk with Jesus? Moses and Elijah. And they specifically came to give Jesus encouragement Aren't you glad that Jesus sends encouragement to you? Ah, when you're depressed, when it looks like everyone has, has fallen, uh, you know, fallen away, you've asked people to pray for you, and, and you can imagine Jesus turns to his friends, and they're snoring. <laughs> By the way, you remember they were snoring also in the Garden of Gethsemane. Yeah, they kind of didn't learn that lesson. How, however, Peter, he wakes up startled, and he he catches the conversation he, and he discerns that it's mo none other than Moses and Elijah. And so, actually, if you back up to verse 9, now as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, saying, 
Guys, listen, 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 listen. Don't tell anyone. Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. And his disciples asked him, saying, Huh? Why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? We're confused. This is what we've been taught in Sabbath school. This is what we've been taught in the synagogue, that before the Messiah would come, he would literally send Elijah. What's going on? Listen to what Jesus says, verse 11. Jesus answered and said to them, Indeed, yes, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things. But I say to you that what? Ah, Elijah has come. Wait, what? Elijah has come already? And Jesus said, and they did not know him, but did to him whatever they wished. What? Likewise, in the same way, the Son of Man is also about to suffer at their hands. Then the light bulb went on. Huh. They understood that he spoke to them of who? So you understand now that when Malachi said, God speaking through Malachi said that he's going to send Elijah first. Is it literal or figurative? Yes. That before God reveals himself, he always sends the reformer. That's the purpose of the Seventh-day Adventist church. In the midst of Christianity... Before Jesus comes, you see, we're not going to escape and, and, and mount wings and fly up and leave the whole world. No. Before God comes, he's going to give everyone, especially the church first, an opportunity to know him. You see, because it's very, it, it makes logical sense that if the house is in disarray, anyone who you bring in the house is going to be in disarray as well. So the first, listen, the first place, God's first order of business is to deal with his people first. Let the church say amen. That means, that means, yes, amen. That means, it's not generic, that means the first place God starts is in your house. In the refrigerator. On the internet. What you listen to, what you play, the stuff that nobody can see, God, he can see it. Can he? Absolutely. And listen, everyone. God, there's only one of you. So if God loses you, he loses you forever. And he can't, he can't afford that. When God gave his life, he gave his life for you. That means that there is no greater gift that God could give. You follow that? And if God's life is infinitely valuable, what does it mean for your life? It's infinitely valuable. There are people who will be lost, and you see, you might forget, but God never forgets. And so God, beginning at home, he says, listen, Andrew, I'm coming into your house. Don't worry about the conference. Don't worry about this. Don't worry about the Catholic Church. Don't worry about the Freemasons. How do you treat your wife and your kids? What are you surfing on the World Wide Web that's making you more or less like me. Andrew, I'm coming back for you. Are you ready for me? It's the question that he brings to each one of us. What's the first commandment, by the way? Come on. Oh, I can't. Di I didn't stump you, didn't I? Did I? 
the first commandment. <laughs> Change the sermon. First commandment. I am the Lord your God. You shall have how many other gods? Now, is the first commandment more important than the tenth? If you break one, you break what? All of them. So you, if you think about the commandments as a, a structure, the foundation always starts first. And then you build on that. God did not say, honor thy father and thy mother first. That's part of it. But the ve- in other words, what, what God is saying is that any violation of the commandment, it, it, it begins with violating the first one, which is idolatry, which is placing another God above the God of heaven and earth. Now, in, in the days of Elijah, and actually, stunningly, sadly, throughout the whole Bible, God's people have wrestled with this issue of idolatry. Idolatry. It's the backdrop to the whole story of, of Elijah and Ahab and Jezebel and the people. And they actually worshipped Baal. They actually worshipped physical uh, carvings, some out of gold, uh, you know, wood overlaid with gold and some stone. And, and it was an industry. Are you with me? People got paid for making these idols. Let me say it again. It was an industry. There was an economy around making idols. Literally, people got rich from making these things and marketing them to people. And people bought them and couldn't live without them. And so some would buy them, you know, made with, with, with various decorations. So some people got very rich through idolatry. And some exceedingly poor. In those days, they worshipped these little figures. But today, there are more idols than have ever been in earth's history. You see, the, the foundation of idolatry is essentially worshiping above God man-made things. And idolatry is not about, I worship Baal or I worship God. Idolatry has to do with where you spend your time and your money. That's where you can really find out who you worship. What you spend your time and money on is an indication of where your heart is. Isn't that what Jesus said? He says, wherever your heart is, that's where your treasure is. And so today this message is relevant because in the church, just very broadly, God's people are still struggling with things that we've placed as more important than God. And here's, here's what else I, I want to say to you is that idolatry... The idolatry that God sent Elijah to confront was not that the people said, we don't believe in God. Huh? How many of you believe in God? If you're not ashamed, raise them high. Yes. That was not the issue. The issue is they believed in God and Baal just in case God didn't come through. Let that sink in for a moment. God was a backup plan. Just in case I pray and I don't get what I want, I can go to, I can make sacrifice to Baal and I can get what I want. And it was enticing, ladies and gentlemen, because those who worship Baal were successful for a very long time. Don't think, oh, you know, idolatry? I'd never do that. No, in those days, the people worshiped their gods and their crops grew. 
The people worshipped their God and they, they didn't miscarriage in childbirth. They worshipped their gods and things worked well for them. And ladies and gentlemen, the Jews, the Hebrews, they saw the surrounding nations flourishing. And they looked at their own lives as lives of one restriction after another. God says we can't do this. God says we can't do that. God says we can't. You know, why all the restrictions? Haven't you heard that from the little kids? Haven't you said that in your heart? Why so many restrictions? And yet, I remember traveling, visiting with my brother when he used to live in California, and we were traveling along the Pacific Coast Highway. How many of you ever traveled? Yeah, and there's some places in Jamaica. So there's some places in Jamaica um, where you drive, they have no guardrails. Have you ever driven on the side of a mountain with no guardrails? How many of you are thankful for guardrails? <laughs> and not all Jamaicans, but many, think they're invincible behind the wheel. And, I, and my cousin, I'm like, I don't want to leave yet, Lord, I have things to do with my life. <laughs> I want to get married. <laughs> so you just close your eyes and you just, you know, and he's going, no guardrails. You're looking, I'm looking, right? But, but guardrails are there not to, 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 trap you. It's to protect you. And, and, and so today, as we look here very briefly, the three things that God is really dealing with with his people, it has to do with narrow-mindedness, uh, short-sightedness, and false expectations. So I want to just quickly just go through and, and talk about what God does here. God sends Elijah to Ahab, right? Uh, Ahab marries a woman. Her name is Jezebel. Some say that her, you know, I don't know, she, she must have been beautiful, you know, um, very permissive, you know, she, she was one who stroked his ego, but the only problem was she didn't believe in God. She had her own religion. And there are many people who think, well, you know, she's spiritual, he's spiritual, we can get married, you know, they believe in God, I believe in God, we can get married, we can have this is wonderful. Is that true? You should not be unequally yoked. And by the way, um, Ellen White says that there are many people who are, even in the church, who are mated, mated, but not matched. So even if you're considering, you know, getting married to a seven-day Adventist, there, there are some people that are a good match for you. You just should not just mate with anyone. But he got hooked up with someone who did not believe in God, who actually had her own, brought in her own priests and, and uh, her own religion. And it stopped, started at the top and it filtered all the way down. These priests and pastors preached and confused the people. And many people said, well, you know, I, I kind of believe this about God, but, you know, this is very enticing about God. And so in order to get their attention... God did then what he often does for us now. He touches our pocketbook. He, he, he starts to turn off the faucet. Elijah says, there shall be neither dew nor rain. For how many years? Yeah. Elijah, First uh, Kings 17, verse 1. As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these, these years except at my word. 
And the word of the Lord came to him saying, get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook and I have commanded the ravens to feed you. And so one of the first things that we understand is that no one is above reformation. That God deals with his people certainly, but all, God also deals with the messenger. And he says to Elijah, this faithful Hebrew, this faithful Jew, commandment keeping, right? He says, leave, I'm going to, in the midst of this drought, I'm going to feed you. Is anyone glad that God feeds you in the time when the economy is you know, crashing and, the, and you lost your job. Many of you can testify that, that things didn't work out and God still found a way to provide. He's awesome. You can't put God in a box. But, but, and kids, help me out. How many of you kids have seen ravens? You've seen a raven before? Children, you've, Hawk, you've seen a raven before? Where have you seen ravens? Yeah. In your house? Where else have you seen ravens? In your garden, wonderful. Anybody else seen ravens anywhere else? In a very peculiar place? The zoo. You know where I've seen ravens? By the side of a road. Huh? Yeah. That, yeah, so he says, yeah. That's kind of a problem, isn't it? Um, ravens do eat bread. <laughs> but they do eat flesh. Now, just put yourself in Elijah's shoes. You're a faithful Jew, man of God, woman of God. You've read Leviticus 11. You know what animals are clean and... Now, let me tell you the truth. Can we just be transparent? The Bible doesn't say if the ravens carried the bread, the food in their mouths or in their talons. I don't care. I'm not eating bread from ravens. Hmm? Now, I've seen ravens, and they will fly, and sometimes they will drop food. And if you have small children, you know the truth. What's the truth, parents? <laughs> the children go investigate the food and eat it. No, 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 no. No, no, take that out of your mouth. You know, inject them with it. You know, you do all kinds of stuff, right, to, to sanitize them. But you know that kids, um, if, if it's not the five-second rule, it's the five-hour rule. You can have food on the floor, and they will find it, and they will eat it. But if you tell me, ladies and gentlemen, that God is going to, my friends, that if God is going to feed me, and he's going to use a raven, you know what I'm thinking. No, there has to be another way. I don't care if the ravens bring it in their beaks, because I've seen ravens, and they pluck at the flesh of dead animals. Haven't you seen it? And, and you're like, okay, okay. Yeah, they carry, the, they, 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 they dig their talons into the flesh as well. So I don't care, Lord. Feed me another way. But how many of you know that if God decides to feed you, you just got to go along with the program? <laughs> you see... I, I never understood the significance until I was reflecting on it. And for this faithful reformer, Elijah, the Tishbite uh, of, the, of the, that, that region of Gilead, he was narrow-minded. I will never touch any... Does anyone remember 
anywhere else in the scriptures where someone says, I've never eaten anything unclean. Yeah. Remember that in Acts chapter 10? That brother is, he is praying and, and Simon the Tanner is cooking up some, some uh, fried fish. And his stomach is grumbling and he goes into a trance and he sees the sheep let down from heaven with all kinds of unclean beasts in there. And a voice was heard from heaven saying what? Do you remember? Arise. You see that ostrich? You know, shut me up. Let's, let's go at it, Peter. Dig in. And three times Peter says, nope. Nope. I've never <laughs> eaten any un- anything unclean or common since my, uh, never, 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 never. But who gave the message? It was God, right? God said to Elijah, I have commanded the ravens. I didn't, Elijah, I didn't say eat the ravens. I just said that they're going to provide for you. Now, all of this was in preparation because God was going to, was going to feed Elijah in another place. And so, Elijah goes to the brook Cherith. No rain. And in the morning, the ravens came fluttering and dropping food. Now, I don't know about you, but I, how many of you pray before you eat? This would be an ideal time to pray. Lord, please, you said eat it. I'm trusting in you, and so I'll eat. And one of the first lessons that I get here is that there are people that we have classified as unclean that God wants to feed us from. That there's some people, and hear me out, it's for the Seventh-day Adventist reformers. That's who we are, we're reformers. Uh, that as it was true for the Jews, and as it's true, hate to admit it, in the church today, sometimes we, we think because God has given us a message that we somehow are in a position somewhat superior. We, you know, we've got something to give you. We've got angels' messages. We've got all this stuff to give you. But God is preparing the prophet to understand that there are people out there that have something to give you. Man. Hmm. That Elijah, you, in your mind, you have this, you, you have this box and everything in the box is holy, and nothing outside can be holy. But do you understand that God has sheep that are not of this fold? Isn't that true? I've read somewhere in the Spirit of Prophecy that there will be many people who will be saved who never even had a chance to hear this message. And they will be curious when they see the hands of our Lord, the piercings. They'll ask the question, you know, where did this come from? And yet, Paul says that when the Gentiles, this is Romans chapter 1, when the Gentiles, when they do, this is the people that are not a part of our church. He said that when they do what is right according to the law, it proves that the law is written on their heart. <laughs> in other words, in your endeavor to witness and share, you should have an open mind that it's reciprocal. That evangelism ministry is reciprocal. That as this church is trying to reconnect with people who have not been here for a while, we have to keep an open mind that there's something that God intends us to learn from the experience. Hmm? You've got to have an open mind. There are people that we've said they are unclean birds 
I could not dare take anything. And God says, I, I'm going to put you, Elijah, in a position where you're just going to have to take it. And eat it and survive. There are lessons of truth that people who are not members of this church have that will transform your life. Amen. Now look. Verse 5, 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 5. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens, more than one, brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. Can we say amen for bread and meat? Hey, from the raven's mouth. I didn't hear many amens, but it's still true. It's still in the Bible. And he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up. The brook dried up. Because there had been no rain. Listen. Then. That was all preparation for what would happen next. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon. Gentiles, unclean, idolaters, no one here knows God. No one here loves God. No one has a heart for God. Why on earth are you sending me here? Elijah, that's where I'm sending you. Go there. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please, bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, as the Lord your God lives, I, have not, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare for myself and, and my son that we, we may eat and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you've said, but make me a small cake from it first. And bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For this is what God is saying. This is what God is saying. The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So, hey, amen, right? So she went away and did. She actually did it. She did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate how many days? Many days. The bin of flour was not used up. Nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord which he spoke by Elijah. In other words, God provided for Elijah and her household every single day of drought. Equally. You see, the wonderful thing about the cross, talk about the cross of Christ, is that when you... Study the cross of Jesus Christ. What you understand, one of the first lessons you get is that everyone is level at the cross. The church say amen to that. No one is superior. No one is inferior. We all need Jesus. Now, I, I'm with you, amen, but sometimes, sometimes the Jews of yesterday and sometimes the spiritual Jews of today... Sometimes it comes across as though we are closer, you know, that, that we're in a position more superior than everyone else. 
Sometimes it comes across that way. Am I kind of close here? Yeah, sometimes it comes across. But the truth is that we all need Jesus. Now, hold your finger there. We're, we're almost we're, we're getting to the end. Go, go with me to Deuteronomy um, chapter 9. This is good. This is good. This is Elijah now. God says, before I come, I'm going to send Elijah. But, oh, by the way, I, gotta, I have a work to do on Elijah first. You see, the one carrying the message has to have an open mind. Or what, everyone? That as we go out to share, we have to understand that we're not superior. That ministry, that serving God is transact transactionable. Right? We give, we receive. We all are sick in need of a Savior. Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 4. Are you in Deuteronomy? Listen, um, this is before God's people cross over the Jordan and, and, and take the land that God has promised. Uh, Moses says to the people, he says, <laughs> he says ah, do not think in your heart after the Lord God has cast them out. Talking about all the idolaters, all the wicked people in Canaan. Yeah, I'm going to drive them all out, the Canaanites, the Jebusites, the Hivites, the, every ite. He says, don't think in your heart after I've cast them out before you saying, don't, don't say this in your mind, because of my righteousness, the Lord has brought me in to possess this land. Don't think that. It's because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out from before you. God says through Moses, it is not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart that you go in to possess their land, but because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord your God drives them out from before you. And then he goes on to say in verse 6, Therefore understand that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness. Are you, are you still with me, everyone? And then he said, this is the Bible, it's not me, I'm not, don't get angry at me, but this is what God says to the people. He says, for you are stiff-necked. <laughs> What's another, another expression for stiff-necked? Any stubborn people here today? A anyone struggle with just following God's commandments, or is it just me? When you know what the result is, what you should be, do be doing, you, you still find it difficult to, just, just to do what God asks you to do because you have your own agenda. Here I am, Lord, have mercy upon me. So God is saying to, to his people, say, listen, seven day, Christian Seventh-day Adventists, listen, you reformers, just understand that God has not chosen you because you're better than anyone else. Amen. As a matter of fact, there's indication that God chooses the most stiff-necked people <laughs> to be his messengers, hear me out, to prove to everyone else that he can take the worst of the worst and make them the best of the best. By the way, God did choose 12 disciples, didn't he? Someone says, well, he didn't choose Judas. Yet he said, Judas, come on and follow me. Didn't he? And he knew Judas was a thief. God chose those men not because they were better, but because they were difficult cases. And God is going to prove that no matter who you are, no matter how troublesome you might be, if you hang out with me long enough and you just hang on to me long enough, you'll be like me. So he says to the children of Israel, he says, don't think, don't think you're better than anyone else. 
I'm actually showing the world through your transformed life that anything is possible. <laughs> How many of you are still scratching your heads? How did I get here? How did I wind up a part of God's family? How did, how did I make it here? I, I think about where I was and where I am today. I'm married with two kids. How did that happen? You look at me today and he's, like, he's wearing a suit. He's wearing a tie. He looks clean cut. Really good guy. But you don't know who I was 25 years ago. How did I get here? It's only by the grace of God. Whew. See, I have a guardian angel and he has a lot of white hair. You know. And so, I'm going to feed you through this widow. You're not better than she is. I'm going to provide for you both. Because the, God, because the cross provides for everyone equally. So Elijah, understand that you have lived your life up until this point, even after giving that powerful message, that you have a narrow mind. You see, we often think about the, the first church, the church of Acts. Do you realize that, that Peter and many of the Jews still had a very narrow minds about people who are not Jewish? Paul had to deal with Peter, didn't he? Because when he was there with the Gentiles, he's eating at their table, having a good time, you know, laughing it up. And as soon as the Jews come in at fellowship meal, he gets up and he goes, sits with the Jews. And Paul sees this and says, uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. No, 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 no. If you've accepted Christ, whether you are male, female, black, white, whatever you are, you're all the same. There's no partiality with, with God. Whether you're male or female, amen, you see, listen, that if God wants to give you a message through a female or a child or anyone, I want to hear it. Hmm. Because there are many people who as soon as the message comes from someone that does not fit within their box, they don't want to hear it. But I want to be saved. And even if God wants to speak to me through a donkey, I want to hear. And if God wants to send a raven, I'll pray and I'll eat it. <laughs> and if God wants to feed me through a Gentile, I'll go. Because there's a lesson that God is trying to teach me that we're all brothers and sisters. The raven, the widow. Narrow-mindedness, short-sightedness. You know the story. Mount Carmel. God, uh, Elijah says to Ahab, listen, gather up all your people. They don't believe in God. But yeah, people are confused. People of God are confused. The children are confused. They're like, is God, God, Baal? I thought you said Baal is God. Like, uh, mommy, you worship it. Daddy, you worship Like, I don't know what's going on. So let, let's, let's settle the matter. They go to Mount Carmel, remember that? And they build the altars. We're cutting, we're cutting through a lot. But the prophets of Baal and Ashtoreth, from the morning, they get up. And they start praying to their God. You remember that? They start praying and praying. And they start crying out. And they start crying out. And it becomes more intense. Does Baal answer? No. And when Baal doesn't answer, they take out their lances, small daggers, and they begin to cut themselves until the, the Bible actually says that the blood began to gush 
out. And ladies and gentlemen, there are many forms of worship very similar to this. There are many people who believe they've got to make a whole lot of noise to get God's attention. A lot of yelling, a lot of screaming, a lot of self-inflicted wounds, a lot of penitence, right? I'm going to discipline myself, and when I discipline myself, then God will hear me. But how many of you know that no matter, you can't earn God's love? Isn't that true? Some of you struggle. Some of you struggle because when you fail, the first thing you do is you punish yourself. I guess I can't pray right now. I guess I can't do this right now. I guess, you know, God doesn't love me. No. You can't do anything to yourself in terms of, you know, punishing yourself to make God love you more. As a matter of fact, when you're at your lowest point is when you actually need to, 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 to press into God. So they're there. Punishing themselves. Cutting themselves. Crying out. Praying loud. And no answer from Baal. The reason is, is because there's no Baal. There's only one God. The God of heaven and earth. Well, Elijah restores the altar, puts the sacrifice on it, and completely douses it with water until the water overflows. And Elijah does not scream and yell. He doesn't punish himself. He very humbly... And very quietly, he kneels down to pray. And he pours out his, his heart to God with sincerity. With what, everyone? And with desperation. Because Elijah actually cares about people. How many of you care for people and about people? Yeah. And the Bible says that before he finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven. And what, everyone? Completely consumed. And the people... <gasps> The Lord, the Lord is God. We've been deceived all this time. All the prophets are, are completely and utterly destroyed. Now, here's the last, last point. Elijah is convinced, hear me out. He's convinced that this is the proof that we needed all along. Now Ahab knows, because Ahab is there. Jezebel is back at the palace now, now, as soon as Jezebel hears this message, and as soon as she, she knows that, yes, finally, this, this issue of God worship and Baal worship, it's over, she's going to be converted, and she's going to accept the message, and there's going to be tremendous reform, and, and everything is going to go well. Is that how the story ends? So he runs. He's he tells Ahab, we're getting to the end. He tells Ahab, listen, go because it's about to rain. God has not cursed the land. He wants to now bless the land. You better go now, Ahab, otherwise you're going to get stuck in the mud. Go before the rain comes, the deluge. And so, he, and so Elijah runs ahead of the chariot and he goes to the palace and he's waiting outside. Ahab goes into the palace and, and Elijah's waiting for the good news. I've given the message, handed out the Bible track. I've done the Bible study. We've had 40 days of prayer. We've done all these things. Certainly now there's going to be change. Certainly now the unbeliever will accept the message. First Kings chapter 19, 
verse 1, the Bible says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he, Elijah, had executed all the prophets with the sword. Verse 2, Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow this time. In other words, those prophets of mine that you killed, I swear to my God that you will be killed by this time tomorrow. Was she changed? No. Verse 3, and when he saw that, this is Elijah, when he saw that, he arose and he did what, everyone? He ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. He kept running and he kept running and he kept running. Verse 4, but, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. And he came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed. Listen, everyone. This is what, this is what the prophet of God prayed. He prayed that he might. The, the prophet of God. See, I don't know what you have gone through the past couple of years, what you've gone through the past year, the past month, the past week. I don't know what disappointments you've, you've, you've had to endure as a member of the church, in your own household, at work. I don't know. But there's sometimes, there's sometimes where life is so overwhelming, you may not actually utter the words, but the thought crosses your mind, it would be better for me not to be here. The man of God prayed, Lord, just kill me. Let me die. He prayed that he might die and, he, and said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life for I'm no better than my father's. And then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him. And the angel said to him, And now, folks, this completes another episode of Then he looked, Elijah looked, and there by his head was Gaining demos and other interests On Joseph Weekland's harmonica player Podcasts Till next time, bye for now and, and, and the angel of the Lord came back the second time. So he arose and ate and drank. And he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Mount Sinai, Horeb, the mountain of God. I want to stop there. You see, if you keep reading the story, you understand that Sorry about that, there's still more audio left. His effort was going to change the world in his time. Paul said, when there was a dispute in, in Corinth, some said, I'm followers of Paul. Some said, I'm followers of, of Apollos. Paul said, listen, hey, well, you got it mixed up. Listen, I've planted, Apollos has watered, but God adds 
the increase. Sometimes we, because we hear it a lot, you know, God, Jesus is coming again soon. Isn't that right? You, you hear it every Sabbath, haven't you? Well, what if he doesn't come in your lifetime? Is it still okay? What if things don't work out according to your time frame? Is it still okay? You see, in, in that, with these false expectations, you see, he, he believed, Elijah believed that, that his effort and his time was going to change everything, but he didn't realize that he was just a small part of God's plan to save the world. And in that moment of depression, deep depression, God did not come with an iron fist and says, what's the matter of you? Get your act together. You're a child of, is that what God did? This is why I serve Jesus. Because at my lowest point, when I have turned my back on him, he touches me. He touches you. He does not bring up your mistakes. He does not harass you and antagonize you. Actually, what he does is he says, you just need to sleep a little bit. You're cranky because you've been running all this time and, and your mind is going nuts. Actually, what you need to do, Elijah, is you need to sleep. You need some fresh water and some clean bread. Sometimes you stressed out Christians just need to take a vacation. Hear me out. The disciples serving with Christ were serving so, so much that they had forgotten to take time to eat. And Jesus, being all wise, says, listen, listen, fellas. You're never going to, to, to satisfy everyone's needs. You need to learn to take time away and be still and know that I'm in control. Sometimes, Elijah's, to deal with the false expectations that you have in marriage. Some of you may be really disappointed because you said, I thought, he said, I do to all this stuff. <laughs> you know. You had a long list. I, I, I thought she said, I do, I do, I do, I do. And, and sometimes we get into a lot of problems because our expectations of God are not right. There are things that you're expecting that God simply hasn't promised. That's why we study the Bible. So we can say, oh, yeah, God promised that. But he didn't promise that. And so in Elijah's moment of sadness and depression when he's praying that he might die, when he wants to just just disappear. He doesn't want to do ministry anymore. He doesn't want to be a part of the church anymore. He wants to quit. I, I, I give up my membership. I'm going to... God says, shh, go to sleep. Shh. We'll, we'll deal with this later. Don't you appreciate God's timing? This is good advice for married people. Sometimes there's a right time to deal with issues and a wrong time. This is good for, for work, for work too. There's sometimes when you want to, let's just go at it now. no. Sometimes you need to chill until there's the appropriate time to deal with complicated issues. So, Elijah, we're not going to deal with your issues right now. But what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to let you sleep, rest, be refreshed, eat, go back to sleep again, eat a little bit more, and then you'll be strong enough to continue. Ladies and gentlemen, this whole thing of the, the, the raven, the widow, and the rain we touched on today, is simply God preparing you for the times that are here and the times 
that are rapidly approaching, when all of your natural resources will be cut off, and God is going to feed you through very, very strange and peculiar ways, and which will, which will test your, your theology, will test your norms, it will test uh, how, how you have defined what church life is like, and you have to keep an open mind. You've got to remember that there are people out there who love God just as much, even more than you. Huh? That there are people that you need to go share with next door because they have something actually to share with you. To make you more faithful. To feed you during a time of drought. But fear not. Even when you've run away, even when you said, I, I, I want no more part of this stuff called church, I don't want any more, God has still not forsaken you. There's some prayers that you pray in your depression that God won't answer because he knows better. <laughs> you're praying that you might die, God says, you don't even know what you're asking for. Actually what you want and actually what you need is little rest, little food and water. So on this Sabbath day, I wish you rest. I wish, I wish you health. I wish you clean water. I, I wish you pure bread. Take today and, 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 and just let the word of God sink in to give you strength to run the next week. Is that okay? Let's pray, everyone. Father in heaven, thank you for, just thank you for your, for your word, which every time we read it, every time I read it, I always get something else out of it that gives me the encouragement to keep going forward with you, no matter what is happening around me. I believe, Lord, that what really matters is not the, the changing of our circumstances, but really the changing of our hearts. Because if our hearts are changed, we can endure any circumstance that life throws our way. So my heart's prayer for your people here and those who are online is that today we might embrace an open mind. We might allow our sight to expand and, and we might through your word, have our expectations corrected so we understand that we're just a small part of your bigger plan to save this world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you'd like to stand with me, our closing hymn is hymn number 99. I think we can sing the first and last. Let's, let's, do, let's do that. <laughs> hymn number 99. God first. will take care of you. Isn't that right? Yes. Verses 1 and 4, please.
today, in the midst of all of the hustle and bustle, to take time to rest, to be still, and to know that God is in control. Yeah, let's, let's, let's allow God through his Holy Spirit to give us strength today to meet this week's challenges and opportunities. Again, Father, we thank you. Lord, we love you. Love your church. We're not perfect, but we're being perfected through Jesus. So we're just going to hang in there with you, Father, even though we, there are many things we don't understand, many things that are confusing, many things that we say, this is not how it should be. You're the one steering the ship, and we trust you. Help us today, Lord, just feed on your word so we can have encouragement and strength to go forward. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Well, this wraps up this episode of Gaining Demos and Other Interests on Joseph Weekland's Harmonica Player Podcast. Thanks for listening. Till next time. Bye bye. Mic off.